welcome to Justice Rising, a podcast of the Intercommunity Peace and Justice Center, where we explore emerging justice work through story and relationship. I'm your host, Cecilia Flores. For this episode, I interview Sister Cheryl Liskey, who has spent over three decades organizing as part of the Gamaliel National Network. As a Dominican sister of Adrian, Michigan, Sister Cheryl shares stories and insights from her many years of organizing which all speak to the importance of taking the time to build and foster deep relationships. After this episode, I'm sure you'll be inspired and motivated to work for justice and to build beloved community. So excited to have with us today, Cheryl Liskey. How are you? Uh, doing fine, Cecilia. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, you know, I, re- I still remember my first, I guess maybe not interaction with you, but you were on a panel at Indeed, prophetic yes. communities with other mm-hmm. community organizers and i just remember being so i think impressed isn't the word i was i was kind of blown away i think <laughs> you know just by just how candid you were and just how i think honest you were with um kind of your sharing about being you know a woman in the church and in the organizing world and um i'm so excited to kind of dive in and to get to know you a little bit better over the next uh several minutes and time that we have together well, well good good you know and being on that panel I, I, one of my fellow pan- panelists nicholas we've been in somewhat of a co- conversation and actually his mother is now helping with our immigration in adrian michigan so <laughs> do some translation for us so was wow good to be on that panel. what a connection because i believe he was based in Boston, if Boston, I'm not right. saying, wow. Oh my gosh. His, his mother lives in Michigan. Oh, that is so great. That's so great to hear. Well, maybe just as a start, if you want to just introduce yourself and, um, you know, kind of how, however you believe and most identify with who you are. Okay. Well, uh, I'm sister Cheryl Liskey. I am an uh, Adrian Dominican sister. And it's as a, a sister working in the city of Detroit, that I first encountered organizing. So uh, I think of myself as a sister and an organizer. So That's great. Well, you said you first encountered organizing in Detroit. Can you tell us a little bit about how you happened upon organizing? Okay. Well, you know, it's probably a common story with a lot of either organizers or key leaders. Um, I was working in a, a church in, in Detroit. And an organizer was coming by to uh, help uh, create a, a faith-based community organization on the west side of Detroit. And I was a member of the board. And at some point, I actually um, went to week-long training with the Gamaliel Network. Um, so not knowing anything about really organizing, just sort of went. And and I have to say, I fell in love. It, it, I fell in love with a God who said it was okay to be angry mm. that and that anger is when our values are violated and that organizing is about how we get together with other people, organize other people to deliver on our values. So, um, you know, and I learned that lesson over and over again, every time for the last 34 years, I've been to week long training, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful life. And it's, it, I think maybe even I said uh, when we were in San Diego, San Francisco, that um, to me, community organizing is the best experience of church mm. I've ever had. 
it's it's just a wonderful life. That really resonates for me as well. I think, you know, being in ministry and uh, finally kind of go, you know, going through an organizing process and, and realizing that that is a beautiful way to minister. It's a beautiful way to learn who your people are and to grow in community. I, you had mentioned that you, you loved it because you learned that part of it, like, it's okay to be angry, right? Yep, yep. I, I, what I've noticed that. <laughs> I think in church circles, there is kind of this fear. I don't maybe it's a fear or an uncomfort. I think some people actually fear it of of being angry, of seeing people angry. And um, oftentimes I've heard, you know, kind of, well, you have to suffer with grace or, you know, kind of leaning into this um, more into that side, I think, theologically or even spiritually of, you know, suffering as a part of life. How do you, what's your take on that? Because it was kind of, it's encouraging me to hear that that resonated with you as far as like being angry is okay. Yeah. And I I think um, there are are a lot of like trends um, uh, currently in the environmental uh, uh, group right now. uh, There are some people, particularly people of color that are quoting James Cone and saying, you know, this kind of theology of suffering is not doing us any good. That we have to think about how do we uh, have a theology of the beloved community and begin to work in that direction and be angry when, when that goal, in a sense, is violated and use that anger to help organize other people to move in the beloved community direction. Um, I, I think also, Cecilia, I was, I'm involved in creating a nun caucus. So sisters involved in community organizing, mostly in the Gamaliel network, but I'm open to other, and as sisters and associates and coworkers and those kind of things. Um, and, and frankly, I think sisters, maybe even church people have a problem with anger. And it's mostly because there's a lot of rhetoric out there that says that this this is not a good thing. And I think that if we begin to look at it as a grace from God, Mm. it helps us understand that something's been violated and that as human beings, you know, desirous of a beloved community, we need to do something. Anger helps us get out of our complacency. Oh, I love that. I love that. And so let's hear a little bit maybe about the work that you're doing. What is the organizing landscape, you know, for you and your position as a sister, but also in the geographic area that you're organizing in now? Okay. Well, um, as of January 1st, I'm retired. So I would say that that in the last 34 years or so, um, you know, the organizing landscape, and particularly the last half of my career was uh, looking nationally uh, mm-hmm. on what's happening in this country. And I think um, uh, you mentioned the, in the, the beginning that I'm uh, part of the Gamaliel National Clergy Caucus. Actually, I, not exactly. I, I'm uh, organizing this nun caucus, but we, we talk with each other. Uh, and our Gamaliel National Clergy Caucus is involved in advancing the beloved community in a contrast to national uh, white Christian nationalism, mm. you know, that, that that is a corruption of the gospel message. 
so I, I think that, um, you know, that's kind of the landscape um, and, and in the Gamalia network nationally, um, we look at those things that are fracturing the beloved community, particularly mass incarceration and all of mm. the things that's involved in that, um, looking at transformational justice, um, the environment. So many of our organizations nationally are involved in environment. Um, here in Detroit, we have, we're very uh, active in the water rights uh, mm. in, in the city. My own church is, holds a water rights uh, day every year. Wow. Um, you know, we're, we're creating rain gardens and we're going after politicians that are shutting off water. Um, so, so I think that that's, that's part of the landscape um, that we're working with. That's really interesting that, you know, I've always found the contrast between kind of national issues and like really big picture issues versus like really local stuff. And I've found that um, sometimes the local stuff fuels me more <laughs> in the national stuff because it kind of helps put things in to perspective and, and connect the dots and the ideas. I'm wondering, you mentioned this kind of movement of white Christian nationalism versus, you know, the narratives of beloved community and working toward that. What, in your mind, what are the ways you can counter that? I mean, I think it's always such like a big thing. Whenever I mention to people, like I, I do faith-based work, for people who lean perhaps on the more progressive side, that just hearing faith, I think some people are alarmed to hear it because that's what comes to their mind <laughs> is, you know, people uh, with crosses and American flags and, you know, January 6th, like that's what comes to mind when they hear faith or hear Christianity or Catholicism. What do you think are ways we, or what are ways that you, um, you all in your network are trying to combat that? Well, you know, I think there are a lot of uh, st statements out there, you know, encouraging people to get in, in touch with their own um, uh, feelings and the, their own gospel message, the gospel message itself. And I think that our issues are um, manifestations or, or elements of creating that beloved community. So I mentioned, you know, this whole notion of mass incarceration. Um <laughs> You know, I think, I don't know if it has to do with white Christian nationalism, but in, in our church, at some point during the liturgy, we say it's right and just to give praise to God. Right? I don't know if people know that, but, but it, you know, I, we used to say it's right to give praise and glory to God, mm -hmm. not it's right and just. And I think that, you know, sort of this white Christian righteousness has justified mass incarceration because it's right and just. Mm -hmm. What God wants of us is mercy. Mm. Um, and so, so I don't, I don't say it's right and just anymore. I go, I go back <laughs> to the old language. I'm the only one in my pew. <laughs> They're like, does she not go to mass? <laughs> it's right to give God thanks and praise. It's right I like that. God yeah. Well, mm -hmm. it's what we used to say. Yeah, for so. many, many years. <laughs> so, right, wow. exactly. Yeah, that's that's so true. And I love, you know, just leaning into mercy, like you're saying, and uh, having to, I think on a personal level, having experienced and believing in that merciful, loving God is something that I think really moves me um, to kind of continue in this type of work. 
Is there anything that I think, you know, opportunity wise of how you're seeing the landscape currently and maybe, you know, the work you're doing locally or nationally or at whatever network um, level as a network um, that just particularly excites you or gives you a lot of hope? Well, you know, I think a lot of young people are getting into organizing, particularly around um, the uh, ecology, Laudato Si in, in the Catholic uh, speak. And, and that excites me. I, I was just looking at, I'm retired, but I still get emails and I know who's coming to the organizer retreat in June for the Gamaliel Network. And there's like two dozen young organizers coming into the, the field, which is wonderful. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about, about that. And, and I don't know if it's because of the pandemic and people were able to organize digitally. And now they're beginning to understand the trade as relational mm. and actually physically talking with people. But it's it just seems to be a really good group that are going to be part of our beginning organizers um, in a couple of weeks. So it's good. Oh, that's super exciting. What about perhaps some challenges that you see or have encountered um, in the current landscape that we're organizing in today in the church? Well, you know, uh, along with that good thing, the digital organizers coming into organizing, realizing it's relational, uh, they're also realizing that it's hard work. <laughs> and so and so the, they don't stick around. You know, I, I, we, we kind of kid, you know, Barack Obama uh, came into organizing through the Gamaliel Network. And we kid, you know, it was hard work. So we left after three years. Um, <laughs> he, he couldn't, he couldn't make it. He had to go be president of the United States. Um, so, 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 so I think that that's part of the problem is getting people to understand the, the deep value of building relationships, not simply to do issue cuts, mm. but to create the beloved community. Okay, and that that is hard work, at getting into people's <laughs> agenda in a, in a real real sense. So I, I think that that's a challenge. I, I think it's also a challenge that, um, well, it's related that we think we can do this using just technology and calendar invites, as opposed to, you know, getting into understanding people's self interest and recruiting them based on who they are, mm. not because Google put something in their calendar. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a challenge. I think it's a, it's a, it's, yeah, you have to get a brain transplant <laughs> in a sense to do that because we've, we've conditioned people to think that it's Google calendars and zoom meetings that organize people and it's not, it's relationships. Yeah. That's so interesting that, that you mentioned that. Cause I think also, you know, there's something about being, I think, in the United States and this culture of kind of like, go, 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 move, 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 efficiency, right? Like efficiency is the the number one thing that we want. And it's like, get to the point. And I've noticed some in cultural spaces, right? So, <laughs> some some people have a hard time from that when you're when you're used to being in kind of this American, you know, time is money mindset versus other cultures that, you know, the first 30 minutes everyone's sitting around drinking coffee, 
you know, and hanging out. And so there's a tension there. I wonder, have you experienced anything? I'm sure you have, but what is that? Has, do you think that contributes at all to kind of this tension that we experience and kind of like why some people find organizing to be really difficult? Yeah. And I think maybe some of that go, go, go kind of activity is really a cover up for not revealing ourselves deeply with mm-hmm. each other, you know, and and not um, particularly acting or, or begin, beginning to articulate, you know, the desire of the heart, our self-interest in where we want to go and what's our what's our plan to get there. So I think that that's where a lot of that activity comes from. Uh, so say, I think also another um, challenge in America Organize, faith-based organizing is the diminished um, numbers of people in our churches, right? And and it's and it's certainly aging. Um, you know, my my pastor had a, a a homily on Mother's Day, and part of that was he he said, you know, we have to think of the church, this church, this parish, as a mother. And that, in a sense, we're in mourning by the uh, of with the or of the people that are not here, mm. the young people, the gay people, right? The people that have been ostracized, and and we should be praying that they not only praying that they come back, but being in dialogue with people and inviting them. It was just really a beautiful Mother's Day homily. I mean, we had other things to say, but but that was it was touching to me because. We don't often talk about the loss mm. and, and that we have a responsibility to be in dialogue with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful because I think in many ways, you know, as a, a younger person in the church, um, <laughs> maybe this is the organizer thinking in me, but, you know, when we talk about that as kind of like an issue, it, it's more they they deal with young people as an issue many times, right? It's huh, it's what yeah. are the strategies? What are we going to do to get them back in? No, <laughs> and it's like, well, does anybody actually care about us? Or are you just trying to get us back in there so you feel better that we're here? Like they're two completely different ideas and conversations, right? And what I hear you saying is, we should be in relationship with people, and and that is why people come back is that accurate is am i hearing you correctly yeah absolutely absolutely and, okay. and you know part of that is is to be in mourning and and to understand our complicity in mm. driving people out you know or we complicity you know we say in the confidier in in what we have done and what we have failed to do mm. part of not bringing people back is what we failed to do we mm. failed to research out and listen to people mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's interesting, I think, um, you know, with the global synod and everything happening, something I've found um, is that people are, I think, one, maybe we're not the, as good as l- listeners as we believe ourselves to be, or two, we're kind of afraid to actually hear what people really want to say. Um, I don't know if that's been, a, I don't know how involved you are in, in synodal processes, but can you speak to that a little bit? Well, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that uh, I think that community organizing invented the synodal process. <laughs> I said the same thing. <laughs> you know, actually, I was part of that delegation that went to Rome when Pope Francis gathered the popular movements 
for the second time. The first time was in Brazil, I think it was. And then the second time was in Rome. I was part of the small US delegation there. And, and that's what we did. We listened to each other, right? And we encouraged Francis, Pope Francis, to do that listening process. So, so we think we've invented this synodal uh, couple years that we've been involved in. But but it, it but it is you know one of the best trainings I think that we do in community organizing is getting people to understand that the relationship building has to be both intentional and intensive mm-hmm. in that it has mm-hmm. to go deep deep to the core of people's beings what in the African American church is known as the burden on people's hearts. Mm. Um, so, so how do we, how do we get to that? How do we listen, you know, and, and, you know, we, we teach people not to, not to talk, not to interject. Um, I had a young organizer that, that was saying that the, the one-on-one should be 80% them talking and 20% us talking. I said, no, no, probably 10% you talking. You could just, just get it down. (laughs) Just listen to what people are saying. So. Yeah, that's so good. I, I know I've something I've experienced as well is um, I think because of the way we are not, many of us are not kind of formed in this idea of deep listening. I think it also creates an environment in which some people are hesitant to share, right? (laughs) I was talking with some youth about this, some youth organizers up in um, Seattle, and they were saying, you know, a lot of times young people or people in general, when you ask them a question, they they're thinking, what is the answer this person is expecting, right? Like I, I get that a lot, you know, I'll ask a question, maybe in a bit of one-to-one and you can kind of see the person is saying like, what is the right answer? What is the, <laughs> like, wait, there's this, she's asking me a question and I'm like, no, I'd really just want to know how you feel today. <laughs> they're like, wait a minute, is it a trick? <laughs> it's almost like we're, we've lost, right? Like conversation in many ways is an art and so is listening. Yeah, and I absolutely. don't know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, in American culture, we, we just don't do it. It's so un-American. In fact, you know, I often tell the stories when we were beginning organizing here in Detroit, um, we had like 120 people listening to over a couple thousand people. Um, and the mayor of Detroit called the FBI. He had no idea what we were doing. He was trying to figure out what was going on. Um, so oh my gosh. that's how American it is. People actually talk. <laughs> No. Wow, that's so that's so amazing. <laughs> kind of bizarre that that, but I mean, yeah, maybe perhaps it is threatening. The deeper the relationships, yeah. right, can scare people. Exactly. Yeah. We might be communists. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna end up on a list somewhere. Um, <laughs> that's right. What you know, you mentioned you were in organizing before you retired this year, and I mean, I'm you're still an organizer. What? What is like a moment, like a highlight, like, you know, that really stands out to you that was a pivotal moment for you um, in kind of your journey as an organizer? Well, you know, I think there are a lot of moments in in, uh, various places and, you know, I've created organizations, four of them here in Michigan, a couple of them uh, out state and in different states. And, And the leaders that are developed through those organizations I'm really proud of them because today some of them are, you know, uh, state uh, senators here in Michigan. Um, we have uh, 
um, you know, folks that are on school boards and those. So they've they've stepped into the public arena in a powerful way. But probably the thing that I'm most proud of is the growth in the Gamaliel network. You know, when I think about the network, and it's always been a learning organization, and in the last 35 years or so, you know, we've learned a lot of things and we've changed. Uh, and the Gamaliel network has a, you know, a woman, you, you interviewed Anna, you know, mm-hmm. she's she's a woman of color, an immigrant woman, um, and a, a head of a major network. Um, and she is totally committed to building a, a beloved community and a justice network. So uh, I think that uh, the growth in the Gamaliel network that I was at least part of, I think, is one of my pr- my pr- proudest things. Thank you for sharing that. What is ahead now that you, uh, you know, you've retired (laughs) as of early this year? What what's ahead for you? Like, what is what does life look like in the next couple of years? Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't know. I I think that it's hard to know what's going on, (laughs) though. Though I I do I do some consulting. Like I said, I'm still an organizer. I do some consulting. I'm um, I, I'm organizing this nun caucus, which I'm hoping to grow over the next several years and begin to turn it over to someone else. You know, in my my own church, we do have this echo spirituality developing, and um, I'm working on that. And you know, for 35 years, I've sort of put aside my art side, and mm. so I'm currently working on uh, icons. Oh wow! as a spiritual practice. So I just finished a Theotokos from at a, at a workshop two weeks ago. So that's so exciting. Well, thank you for sharing all that. I probably to wrap up um, our conversation for, for all the folks that are listening out there, what is a challenge or a call to action you might have for, for our audience? Well, I I think that the challenge is to create the beloved community, right? To live out the gospel. And it's one of my uh, colleagues, a, a Dominican sister, Lori Brink, just wrote in an article mm-hmm. that theology is, uh, you know, an ordering of the way we think. But spirituality is how we live in its boots on the ground. And so just encouraging people to keep exploring their spirituality, the uh, the way that God's calling us to grow, the restlessness in our heart, pay attention to the anger, right? And then, and then to use those things uh, to live out your faith uh, with other people, right? So, and I think, of course, the challenge is always, you know, find other people, create other people, call up the local organizing network in your neighborhood and and get involved. It's the way we live out our faith. Mm. It's spirituality boots on the ground. Mm, I love that. I needed to hear that. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Sister Cheryl, for spending this time with us and just sharing your heart and your wisdom. And, you know, I look forward to continuously uh, encountering you and building relationship over the years. 
okay, uh, there is that little uh, relationship building thing that's growing among organizing uh, organizers and networks. Yes, that's also very exciting. So we'll have to start stepping into that. Thank you, sister. Okay, thank you. The Inner Community Peace and Justice Center is sponsored by 24 Catholic religious congregations. Grounded in the charisms of our sponsoring congregations and Catholic social teaching, we build community to act for systemic change in our church and world. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Any notes or references from the interview can be found on our website at ipjc.org slash justice rising. You can follow IPJC's work on Instagram at IPJC Seattle. If you like this episode, please consider donating to support our work at IPJC.org, as well as hitting the subscribe button to follow along wherever you get your podcast.